0: Hello, bienvenue, and welcome to Oblivious Book Review, the podcast where we speak about our recent readings and a lot of other things. Today, your hosts are Sander and Elio, and today we are going to speak about theme Scientific Literature. Hello, everybody.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Hello, everybody. (laughs) As you heard, we have a third voice today because today is a special uh, episode and it's something that you might have realized I like to say a lot, but it's double special because first we have a special guest today, uh, Linnea, which is one of my um, colleagues working with uh, biology as well. And it's as well a special episode because we're going to speak not specifically about one book, mm-hmm. but we're going to speak about scientific literature in general. So what we mean by scientific literature is uh, scientific publications that are the, the basis and the result of research. That is, uh, nowadays, it's mostly like uh, PDFs mm. that are used by researchers to build on the work of previous researchers. Do you agree with my definition, linear? I would say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been reading a lot of paper nowadays, so I think it's perfect timing for us to uh, <laughs> start this discussion now. Yeah,
2: I, read, <laughs> I think I read too many, to say the least. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so one thing that um, most of people that are not from this field mm. might think is that, oh like my me. God, scientific literature, yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> it's not something that I can read. And I know that myself that is... From this field when i read some papers it will take me a lot of effort and time to really grasp yeah what is said in this paper yeah yeah and so in response to that what has uh, appeared a lot is what we call in french vulgarization and i should have checked if you can say the same in english Does that
1: uh,
2: i haven't heard of it but do you mean more like a popular science kind of literature where they simplify the language
0: uh, yes, exactly, or even yeah. more than uh, simplifying the language, it can be that they uh, take a paper or any result and explain it in a much more simpler way that is accessible by the public.
2: Yeah, yeah, popular science, I think. Uh, in the Swedish we mm-hmm. call it, yeah, popular science.
0: <laughs> popular vetenskap.
2: <laughs> t- uh, yeah.
1: Mm.
0: We have 20% of our listeners that are Swedish, so <laughs> we can reach 20% <laughs> of the people with such information, which is good. <laughs> Yes, we have all the data. <laughs> Ooh, stalkers. And so um, my question that I would like you two to, to think about and to say, say your thoughts about is in this uh, popular science, I'm thinking, is it good to do popular science?
2: Mm, I mean, personally, I really agree. Uh, but that might be my background as a guide <laughs> talking as well. Um, hmm I would love to make science more accessible to the public because, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, being critical to your sources and mm. the information you receive has is kind of lacking. If you look at social media and whatnot, um, I would yes. say that's one of the downsides of popular science because you can't really um, know if it's a viable source or not. It's just... Uh, information in a simple language with Mm. the catchy titles that's easy to take in, kind of. Um, But I would say mainly I am pro-popular science, just to get a better outreach, more or less, and also uh, decrease the glorification of science. I feel like a lot of the scientists are put on a pedestal almost, like something that's unreachable. Mm. Um, But it's really not, you know, it's normal people publishing Articles that might be in a tricky language takes a lot of years to learn and that's why I think popular science is something that's good that will help decrease this glorification and actually make people feel like they can take in complex mm-hmm. science uh, in a simple
1: manner but is it not like uh, I think always like it's very easy to make it very hard like language but it's very difficult to make a certain language very easy to understand
2: yes yeah uh, I mean, I've tried to write uh, popular science articles, and it's way harder than you think. It's really, really hard. <laughs> if, you're, if you've are if you been studying it for so many years, you're used to this sort of complex language, I guess I can call it. Hmm. More scientific language. Uh, you Or just
0: a language that is specific to the field you educated yeah. yourself in. Hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly. The terms that is commonly used in biology, for example, and ecology. It's really hard to replace them with simple words and explain what they exactly mean in a simplified manner
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and i think i have a kind of a an opposed way to what you said a bit earlier you said that you wanted scientists to be less on a pedestal than they are yeah and as much as i see that this can have good effect in a way that people don't just take what is said to them for granted i get the feeling that nowadays we tend to have on a global scale, much more of uh, people that don't believe scientists as much and start to think about their own truth. Mm, yeah. And it might come from the fact that scientists sometimes are wrong and they don't have such a, a big truth as uh, the, the popular big politics can come uh, come up with. If, mm-hmm. Like, I know this is like, this is black or white, that's all. And scientists will come with uh, something perceived as complicated result and... Uh, Something yeah. that doesn't really allow you to be operational when scientists say like we don't really know. Yeah. And so I I tend more to think that the the, the glory of the, the white jacket must be uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, must be made great again. <laughs> I mean
2: I, I see what you mean. Uh, but at the same time I think the problem is more that people want things to be black and white, while in science it's really a grey zone all around, Uh, and that's hard to accept for a lot of people. Uh, And maybe that's also the problem that causes people to disbelieve scientists now.
0: Disbelieve, beautiful world.
2: I know, right? Disbelieve. (laughs) Uh, That they disbelieve uh, scientists because they just say, we don't know, we we try this hypothesis and we Mm -hmm. have uh, inconclusive results, we're gonna try again and see what happens, and people think oh like um they haven't tried hard enough yeah. or it's a waste is of that time it? Or mm. is,
1: is
0: like that, that what we get what can we do is such result like what am i supposed to think now mm.
2: yeah we have to rethink our results based on what we get kind of thing and oftentimes it's quite difficult uh, and you're not really sure mm. where to go from there and uh, just having an answer that says i don't know it's uh, it's still a result, but it's also a hard one to move forward from, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. But well, I,
1: so- I was actually wondering because uh, often I have the feeling that uh, in research it's very difficult. I, I had some uh, idea about that. In research, it's also very difficult to to say that you don't really know. Yeah. Somehow, uh, some result has to be always come out of your study.
2: Yeah. Was... If you want to publish that, yeah,
1: it's... exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. We're gonna come to one of the oh, points yeah. I've uh, oh, written. I know, I'm uh, <laughs> jumping forward on your questions now, or uh... no, it's actually following my my trend of thought. Uh, pretty good, okay, so I'm good. happy. Good, yeah. <laughs> Everything's going according to plan, good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let you continue. Me, if you had no, this. okay, no, I wanted to, no, no, no. to add uh, really much on this, but yeah. So uh, I'm wondering, I think you have a really interesting position right now, Linnea, because you've been a guide and working as a scientist yourself. And so just to interrupt you, Uh, what what do you mean with guide? Like, uh,
1: uh, Uh, What I've done
2: as a guide, you mean? Yes, what
1: what, what is that actually?
2: Um, So I've worked a few years as a guide at Universium. Uh, I think most of uh-huh. the okay. listeners will know what that is. It's a science center in Gothenburg, oh, yeah. um, where I've been working as a guide for almost three years. And then I've also worked as a guide at the Schärne Marine Biological Station, mm. uh, basically teaching the public about the ocean. Mm. Um, so I think these positions have really made me a little bit biased towards popular <laughs> science. <laughs> uh, because it is so fun to make people like for example if you make a plumber realize how cool this tiny little sea urchin is um and why they're important you know that's what i want to do with all of science kind of
0: uh, yeah i can uh i can connect to this feeling as well when you yeah. make someone interested and you know you have to choose some shiny information sometimes and they yeah, won't be interested definitely. into every single mo- molecular interaction but some yeah. uh, interesting uh, behavior in a species can be wow
2: yeah exactly and i I think mostly that's what people grab onto first like there's a cool species that they think is beautiful or awesome or a deep sea creature that looks scary and that's how you grab onto them first (laughs) that's how you get them like drawn Mm. into the whole scheme of marine biology and uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then you start talking about yeah with this algae we have done science that can help uh, the chicken feed or uh, help uh, the cows produce less methane and all of those things as well. Mm. So you can connect all the dots and different scientific fields just from, you know, grabbing a little bit of interest, which I think is mm. amazing. And that's why I love popular science and working wow, as a guide in general. <laughs>
0: <laughs> And so how do you feel then when you, you try to uh, introduce someone to a scientific field? <laughs> And the people give you this um, very characteristic sentence, which is, "Oh no, but this is scientific stuff. It's not for me. Like, it's not my field. I'm, I'm not, not, not my jam." Or if like they say, "I'm not smart enough." Yeah, uh, or I'm not smart enough. I mean, That's something you can get it is
2: about. a, it is a frustrating question. I or because people always underestimate themselves, where they say, "Oh, I'm not interested in this because I'm not smart enough to understand." Or maybe it's uh, it's too glorified, you know. The problem with putting scientists on a pedestal, they're.
1: The ah, <laughs> you back to of the get back population. to this. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's also a little bit cultural affected influence. In, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, here in Sweden, or maybe where I'm from, the Netherlands, it's pretty. It's not so hierarchical society. And. Mm. And in other countries where I've been into, the scientist or a doctor has been seen so high up somewhere, has been studied so a long time and, and yeah, has a lot of, um, what you say, cultural... Uh, yeah, people look up up to those people
0: anyway. Mm. Yeah. It, when you say I'm a scientist, people will be like, Whoa. wow. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. have yeah, respect your cool. uh, in your position. Yeah. which i don't i don't think is so much of a bad thing i remember one teacher in my university when i was studying that was a very interesting teacher he was both uh, a very great researcher and a surfer bodybuilder so it was quite strange to have uh, arnold Schwarzenegger giving us uh, classes about uh, population dynamics <laughs> um, but he told us that if you want to go far and research and do your PhD, or postdoc, and become a researcher yourself, you need a very big ego, in the in the sense that you need to love yourself to inflict this to yourself. Okay. And so. And this might lead to the people that I've seen as a very up, a very. Yeah, with uh, having a lot of honor because it's this type of people that will go through the whole process of becoming a researcher. It selects them in that way. I don't think it's necessary. You can be also very kind and a very nice person. But I think there is a a nice part of uh, ego into the... So another thing I wanted to talk about as well today, that is something that not so many people know. And the one that knows about it, they speak about a mafia they say that the publication system in a, in it, in scientific literature can be really like a mafia and i think you know where i'm going in here
2: yes yeah
0: so i want to highlight the fact that to produce a paper and to use a paper which is once again a, the the basis of scientific research um taxpayers or the government has to pay three times And how is that possible? How would you pay three times for the same magazine, basically? If you buy a magazine, you just, like, pay once for it, especially if you produced it yourself. You don't pay if you produce the magazine yourself, right? Yeah. Well, in scientific research, this magic is possible. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the first time the government is paying is when they are paying the researcher to make all their studies and to put all their results into a scientific paper. So first, they have to pay the researcher. Then... They have to pay another researcher that will review the first paper, which is the basis of uh, scientific research. Is uh, why we have such a good quality research nowadays. Is because uh, people are reviewing each other and try to be um, more than honest. Uh, I don't neutral uh, towards what you're reviewing. You really try to make the work of your colleague be as good as possible. So this is like two persons you have to pay to have a paper already and then you can send this reviewed paper to a publisher that will publish it on their website so we have a lot of different publishers some of them being uh, having more impact than others and the researchers really try to publish in the best uh, um editors as possible and so you pay yes. these two people and then you have to pay a third time to access the paper because the publisher the editor he will make the access to this um paper uh cost money. Yes. And so basically if another researcher wants to access the results to help themselves in their work and to write their own paper, they will have to pay a third time. So basically it concerns kind of everyone because everyone at least I know is a taxpayer uh, taxpayers. (laughs) Hopefully (laughs) we don't get into this kind of right (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, you have to pay three times to get access to a paper. So now, like uh, sender, what's your your blank reaction to it? I don't know if you were aware of this already of this specific uh,
1: issue. I know. Well, luckily, I uh, had many talks with you. You, So you have been talking about this a few times uh, way before with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit aware about this. But yeah, indeed, I made made my kind of uh, note for myself as well in my mind when we were talking about publishing uh, scientific articles, and I was wondering about yeah, the the paywall behind to get access to these articles, because it it can be a major obstacle for normal public to get access to uh, scientific uh, results. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, and that's, that's a big problem. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say one thing about the reviewing process, Elio, which mm-hmm. is also a problem they don't always pay the reviewers. Most of, t- of the times, it's a volunteer, an expert yes. in the field that volunteers to do this uh, review for free. Um, and that's also a bit, a bit problematic, I would say, because it could cause the reviewer to just skim through it. Uh, but yeah, like you said, we have a really good uh, quality science nowadays, and most of the people take their job seriously. So the reviewer, most of the time, will give a good review um that is objective hopefully uh, but, but yeah, then you get I, limited
0: because you cannot spend yeah. your the entire time reviewing things because then the university for who you work will say you haven't produced anything and you could exactly. say well i've been spending all my time reviewing others and this is time consuming if you would like to do it correctly
2: yes like i think that's the vicious cycle of uh, science <laughs> right now yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I um with elio we have uh, both uh, not published a paper yet, but we've uh, sent them in for review. Uh, mine is being reviewed right now. Um, and like I, like you said, I've noticed the problems with you having to pay to get published. And then once again, uh, in order to read the, the yeah. works, you have to pay again, uh, which is unseen in the rest of the world. Actually, um, you, you pay once for a magazine, but you have to pay three times or two times to Publish a scientific article. Um,
1: oh, you mean it's only for Sweden, magazine. or? Sorry. This is only for Sweden. You mean this uh, happening? We, what do you, Which countries in the world is it differently? Uh,
2: I would say it's in the entire world, and it okay. also depends on the journals. I mean, some journals are open access. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is
0: coming up as an answer to this problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, more and more journals are open access mm. uh, nowadays because people are really. Curious and uh, public science is getting a lot more popular or bigger. Um, mm. So there's this uh, criticism towards journals like, why should we pay to read a scientific work that should be open access, mm. open to the public? Really.
0: Yeah, common knowledge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah but then you have these very honest uh, publishers that come and say no it's impossible if we don't get this money we won't be able to provide the service that they they do provide they they organize all the papers and they need this uh, three times money to to do so or at least they needed to have uh, elsevier if i'm not mistaken every year it's something like 3 billion euros of uh, benefit <laughs> yeah. So I do yeah. believe that uh, there is a little extra in there.
2: <laughs> it costs a lot to uh, to redo uh, the article, you know, make it pretty and
0: everything. <laughs> oh, to it, on format to PDF. It, ex-
2: <laughs> I think we're being a bit too harsh now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, sure. it, it is a problem. Um, and I mean, if if you read the guideline for authors, authors have to pay quite a hefty sum. Yes. Uh, just to get get the opportunity to publish, mm. um, which is quite insane. And mm. to be honest, this work has taught me a lot of things uh, about science and about publications, which has kind of turned me off of getting a PhD, for example, because that means you would have to do this multiple times in yeah. a very short time span. Mm. And if you don't do that, then you're uh, you're kind of screwed, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or even after a PhD when you become a, a researcher yeah. yourself and this is your final uh, term your, your your final permanent position you have to publish otherwise you will be no one so at yeah. best you can just continue all your life and never really have glory otherwise you will have to choose yeah. certain subjects rather rather than others That will be a bit more trendy uh, I think like uh, every day nowadays we have something like 50 publication on uh, COVID-19 which is uh, a <laughs> Insane, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. Uh, that actually, okay. yeah,
2: That actually makes me want to talk about the competition and the, the backstabbing mm. culture in publications, and uh, you know, Oi. yeah. I like to know that. Uh,
1: that's interesting to hear.
2: <laughs> the science gossip. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for our current position, uh, my our supervisor has really opened my eyes to this. Um, they, uh, they actually don't want me to contact uh, other researchers, for example, um, because they are afraid that these researchers might take the idea that we have and publish it for themselves.
0: Here you go for the global collaboration of scientists around the world.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh, so something that should be open and uh, shareable and uh, you know, people work together to get something published, it's more like, no, this is my data. I'm going to publish it for myself. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And for I think which, that's a really uh,
2: big problem.
1: For which reason yeah. would uh, people do that, you think? Mostly?
2: I believe it's because of the publication system. The the laborious method or the laborious uh, effort you have to go through just to get something published. It takes a long time uh, and a lot of money and a lot of work hours. So if someone has a you know possibly good publication mm-hmm. or good data that you could uh, get a really good article from then i think people are more inclined to do this kind of backstabbing culture where they try to race to publish the same topic first Hmm. if you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah
1: so it's more a systematic problem
0: than
2: uh... i believe so yeah
0: and this uh i think for someone who knows and you're just a bit in this field it's not gonna be something so surprising but i think it's good through our podcast, overview, <laughs> <in> review, <laughs> to use this opportunity we have to uh, put this uh, all these issues to the public. Not because we want to the people to feel depressed, or not because we ask the people, okay, find a solution and fix it now. More because it's a, I think, a good understanding to know a bit more which world we do live in. Even scientists that are seen as the most neutral people, and so they should really. Um, not think so much about themselves. They should uh, be dedicated to their work. And I, I think they are, but they have to be like anyone else as well, think about their survival. And this is why we have this sentence, um, publish or perish. I think both of you already heard it. I might have said it today, even. No. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, not today, but I have heard of it, yeah.
1: Not me, yeah, can it's you explain something it?
0: something quite common. <laughs> publish or perish is basically what we were speaking about, the fact that uh, some scientists, uh, every scientist, actually every researcher, they have to publish as much as possible and as high-impact paper as possible mm-hmm. for their own career. And what uh, to be rec- recognized.
1: if I would think about this, what would it influence on the work of a scientist on this way of approaching?
0: Well, uh, I don't know if you want to answer this, Linnea.
2: I'm not really sure if I understood uh, what you meant Sunday.
0: So Sander asked what kind of bias these facts can bring to the, to the scientific world.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, that's a big problem. There was, a, I can bring up an example from a statistical course that I took, um, mm-hmm. where Interesting. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> the course leader, he brought up uh, an article that we were going to try to replicate in R, uh, do the modeling and everything. And we discovered that the, it was a very, very poor paper. Uh, statistically and the method how they went through it, and he the art or the course leader said, well, this is because that my coworker had to publish this, uh, otherwise they would not get funding for the next next term. Hmm. Uh, so that problem publish or perish will lead to articles with uh, you know poor quality or mm. something that has been rushed just to get it out, kind of. Um, i think that's mm. the biggest problem with publish or perish but,
1: but it can have serious consequences because this articles can might be used for future studies
2: exactly and yeah. maybe
1: certain results or conclusions uh, are wrongly based and you develop on
0: continue it i'm not sure that could be something beneficial yeah you, you include this mistake all the time in your wall and then you have a, a rotten grape every time yeah. in your wine <laughs> French nice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah <laughs> huh. yes so that was something that uh, that can lead to problem and uh, a lot of people uh, talk about this issues in science that we can have a lot more junk science but still i feel like now we've been for some time in the podcast very critical and i would like to temperate a bit what we say that remind people that start to not believe in science so much and go to other sources of truth and you cannot see it, but I'm making uh, brackets with my hands now, source of truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, research, the way it's done now, is still, for me, the best tool we have to try to grasp reality. And it is imperfect because we are imperfect in our sense and the way we can grasp the world. But it is, from from the imperfect world we are in, I think for me, is the best way we have to show the way and get guided by researchers. I really are essential workers, which is a term we use a lot nowadays, uh, to me, as they are the one that shows the way.
2: Yeah, I agree. No comment on this. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really agree. Um, It's it's not more about uh, disbelieving because, oh, now every article will be junk articles, you know, Uh, it's more about being critical. That's the key word here. Not to share every single catchy article title that you see on Facebook. Actually read the article, read the method. Uh, Mm. Have they actually shared everything? Is there something that's, you know, uh, excluded or... uh, change to make the article more catchy uh, does this make it a junk article or is this still viable you know that well, people that, should actually take mm-hmm. the time to to read more I think yeah
1: but also understanding how you need to read it because even if you read an article you don't know where to look at what isn't good article and what is a bad article
2: that is true yeah it's really hard to know the difference you would have to either be educated in the subject or like spend weeks looking at the methodology, yeah. method, methodology, of the, <laughs> spend weeks word. trying to
0: pronounce the word <laughs> methodology
2: of the article itself, uh, which is really hard. And that's mm-hmm. why I think popular science has a big uh, impact. Uh, oh my god, how... I love
0: that! Going back to the first subject, <laughs> yeah, I love I'm addicted
2: that. to this. <laughs> 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 we have to get like good popular science and actually uh, editors that are in the subject itself so that they can then produce an article that's easy to read and the source is not taken from a, a poor quality article, you know?
0: Mm, I do know. And yeah. so you're really advocating for popular science. I really Another am. fight going on in science right now is connected to the things we were talking about. And I don't want to end this episode without mentioning it. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I say the name Alexandra El Baikan, does anyone know her? Uh, is that, no. Is that the woman from uh, Kazakhstan? Yes, she's from Kazakhstan.
1: Yeah, uh, okay. Then that she's the lady who is spreading, uh, make the possibility to uh, to deviate the paywall of the articles?
0: Yes. So oh? this is probably the, the <laughs> oh. narrative, <Yeah. laughs> narrative that the... That's impressive. I I'm yeah. you know her name. I just looked it up <laughs> for this episode, even yeah. though I used her website. I know, uh, I don't think <laughs> a friend of mine use her website quite often. Sci-Hub, she's the creator of uh, sci Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, I use uh, uh, her <clears throat> the website a
0: lot. Yes. You mean your friends? Yes. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> has a lot of friends using Sci-Hub. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is one of the answer of the people that want not to have to pay 300 euros for each paper they want to publish uh, just by reading the articles, just by passing the paywall of... Uh, uh, reading an article, they u- decide to use Sci-Hub just to make um, science possible either for you as a student or for you in a poor country that doesn't have so much means to put in just like paying the paywall. Mm-hmm. I remember as a, as a student especially, when I, I saw people coming to my friend and saying, um, oh, but I couldn't finish my, my paper because I couldn't go through the paywalls. And I was thinking like, hey, it's been three years you study. Uh, my friend was thinking, it's been true as you study you should know about sciHub and it became kind of a normal part and a real asset in my studies okay I think I'm I'm busted here <laughs> it's the new uh,
2: it's the new Wikipedia for students you can say yeah yeah
0: and it's, it's it makes you produce such more quality work and you can actually read yeah. papers apart from this when when the website is down then I guess the rate of publication goes down as well mm. So and I'm not going to say that this should be a human rights, but it shows that there is a big problem with this paywall. And it doesn't seem to be so justified anymore. Like uh, putting the PDF in order doesn't cost as much money as it used to be. It doesn't cost as much money as someone had to transport the paper, print it in a, in a hard copy. Now it's, uh, the publisher might be something from the old world in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to mention uh, Sci-Hub at the end of uh, our episode <laughs> to kind of uh, give the, the slide or the put the subject towards the fact that open access is something that is important for scientists. Like we might have said, we've said in the beginning, a scientist has to pay three times and a lot of bad things about scientists, but they are thinking about these issues as well, definitely. And they try to make it uh, better for them and for the, the way they can work. So it's a, it's an ongoing social fights that can kind of link to the last episode we've made um, about uh, the, (laughs) a bit of self-publicity, last episode we've made about activism, and I think a lot of researchers can be considered activists in their minds. Not for me. And I don't know if you want, any of you have something that you specifically want to add about uh, scientific literature?
2: No, just that I agree with you about mentioning Sci-Hub. It's really a good tool, especially if uh, if you're just a person who wants to read more scientific articles but are mm-hmm. hindered by the closed access or where you have to pay for an article that you really want to read. Uh, Sci-Hub is really a useful tool.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, there is always a way to retribute the, the scientist just by the fact that he gets cited in the paper you publish yourself. Or... Yeah. There are ways to do it. So, I agree. It's a good tool. And on these good words, I think <laughs> it is time already for us to say goodbye. Yes. And uh, have a nice Sunday, everyone. Because this should be released on Sunday.
1: Yes. Well.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful.
1: <laughs>
0: so, thank or you, everyone. Oh, you mean I mean Sunday, the day of the week. I mean, but
2: Sunday, it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> cut that out! I'm sorry. I, meant, I thought you meant today.
0: <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> oh no! Okay, everyone. <laughs>
1: See you. Bye.